team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Hamilton Tiger Cats lose 27 to 12 in the East semifinal in embarrassing fashion. I am Mike Graham and I'm joined by Josh Smith. What a terrible effort from the Tiger Cats today, especially on offense. Yeah, not exactly how we thought this thing would go, was it? No, definitely not. Like I thought this would be a close victory for the Alouettes, but I thought the Tiger Cats would come out and have some some fire in their bellies, some uh some execution offensively like the first drive was promising and then it seemed like it just kind of fell apart from there from there and Schultz had a terrible game yeah the decision to start him was clearly not the correct one I don't know if this game goes any differently with with Bowen there but uh we know how it went with Matthew Schultz in there and it wasn't it wasn't good enough the offense basic I know the final score I know they gave up 27 points but one was garbage-ish time touchdown. There was one that came off of a pick deep in their own territory. I thought the defense played excellent in this game, quite frankly. Yep. I thought they did a lot until late in the game when the number when things, you know, the game's in hand, it's over. Montreal bust off a couple of big runs. They had some troubles with Cody Fajardo throughout the game, running the ball more than passing it, I thought. We saw some good defensive effort from guys until basically the very end there. So they kind of wasted – we went into this game, we were talking about it earlier when we did our pregame show, talking about how, well, it's the defense we were worried about. I guess we should have been worried about the offense because the offense was pathetic. Yeah, so we're just going to skip the game recap tonight because none of you guys want to listen to us talk <laughs> no about one wants play to by listen play. To the game recap. No, the people would probably rather jump off a building and listen to us try to recap this hot garbage that we just had to sit through. We just had to sit through three hours of it. I don't even want to sit through another 30 seconds of it, quite frankly. I know. It's it's, uh, it's just a pathetic performance. I, I agree with you that I thought the defense played well. Um, you know, you can't really blame them. The, the, the offense wasn't helping them at all. They're just getting field goals at the most. And, you know, the defense can only play really well for, for so long before, you know, they need help from the offense and they just didn't get that. We didn't get, you know, quote unquote, complimentary football today uh, at all. No, and special teams didn't do a whole heck of a lot outside of, you know, I mean, Mark Leggett went perfect on field goals, but a game like this, a season ender, it's the stats aren't, entirely that important in my opinion like to go through them like oh this guy did this is aside offensively aside from James Butler everyone needs to look themselves in the mirror and ask what more they could have done because I don't think dude Tim White didn't have a catch no he's the league's leading receiver it's a goddamn playoff game and he doesn't have a catch that's that's inexcusable that's terrible it, whether that's a product of the quarterback not being good enough to get him the ball and Matthew Schultz was just 
Let, let's talk about him for a second because he was horrendous yep. in this one. The numbers, I got them here, 12 of 23 for a buck 44 and a pick. He ran the ball well, four carries for 34 yards, but I'm sorry, he's a quarterback, not a running back. I don't really give a shit what he does in the run game unless it's, you know, bust off a bunch of big ones for first downs and, and keeping drives going and scoring touchdowns. But he missed he missed some throws. He, he completed a deep pass early in the game. I think it was to Terry Godwin. That was one of the worst completed passes I've ever seen in my life. He, he, how, how many times did I lost count of how many balls he had batted at the line of scrimmage? One oh that led God. directly to an interception, one that nearly led to an interception. This was, unless Bo was hurt, you know what I mean? Like, which he gets into the game, I can't imagine he would be. I need to hear from Orlando after the game. He's probably doing his post game press conference right now. Unfortunately, not being in Montreal means I don't have access to it because Ticats have decided uh, after. Play after uh, road games played inside the division, they don't do a Zoom call, or else I would be on that right now, and we'd be we'd be postponing this for a second because I I don't know what went into the decision to do this. I'm sure it was a quote unquote great week of practice, but it's what just does this? I don't want to get into off season stuff right now. We'll do that maybe next week, the week after, maybe after the breakup. I don't know. We'll get into the. We got a question on Patreon from from one of our our subscribers that asked questions about players and he wanted us to talk about it on the pod, but I, I put it off because it's like, eh, we're in the playoff mode here. I don't really want to talk about off season stuff, but I mean, we went into go back and listen. I, we posted the the pregame show, go back and listen. We were talking about, this is Matthew Schultz's time. You said something and I went cha-ching and I don't know what the opposite of cha-ching is, but he not only did he not make himself money, he might've cost himself money. Like there's, I don't know what this team's going to do with quarterback in the offseason. Have they alienated Mitchell? Is, is Bo even good enough to, to – like, he's benched for a playoff game. Does he even come back? Like, we were joking around on the pod this week. We're not joking around, but we were talking about what did they I, – I said, deal, deal Mitchell to to Ottawa for Mazzoli, who says no. And I'm looking at it now. Like, I, I just don't know what this team was thinking of quarterback because, or the play calling was – like, every like – None of it made sense to me. It was it was scattershot. It was it felt like a Franken team put together that didn't even know each other. Prior, you know what I mean? And like I guess that's kind of the case. Like Bo didn't play a ton. Schultz was in and out of the lineup. They had a play caller who wasn't there at the start of the year. Like maybe it was kind of a Franken team at the end. But it just just a really disappointing way for the season to end once again. Yeah, and leading into this, it was like <clears throat> Matthew Schultz had looked good at the quarterback position. But you're right, he absolutely showed that he's a backup in this league today. This was his chance to shine and show he's a starter. And he did, he did the exact opposite. You, you mentioned the numbers, 13 to 23, 144 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. And even when he had a lot of time in the pocket, which was a, a lot of the night, I thought the O-line wasn't terrible. Uh, he just kept the ball, hold on, held onto the ball, held onto the ball. It just didn't look like he could find anyone downfield open. And, uh, it cost us. He was just he was just atrocious tonight. And they and then we can talk about Bo. I guess I mean he only threw four passes. They brought him in way too late to do anything. I don't I don't know if it would have changed a thing if they would have brought him in at the start of the second half. Anyways, he didn't look too great. But you can't really put too much on him coming into that position. So no, but also a, you, you throw him in there down. What was it? Twelve points at the time. So it's like yep. he's got to throw downfield. He's got to get it's like six plays. minutes left. Yeah, and it's like, like let's let's not sugar like 
this was a one-score game at halftime. This this game was going with it being a low-scoring, grinded out, you know what I mean? Like that type of game that we predicted it was going to be. I know you thought it would be a little bit more high-scoring than I did, but I did think it was going to be the quote-unquote rock fight. And and that's exactly what it was in the first half. It was two teams that were settling for field goals. It was It was turnovers are the story of this game. That's what I'm going to lead my column with. After the when I get when we get done here, I'm finishing up my column. I was writing during the game, and that's what I'm leading with. It was turnovers and mistakes cost the Ticats this game. I'm not saying if the Owls were the better team, they deserve to get this win. But Hamilton allowed, I think it was five sacks. They, they threw three interceptions. One the bow interception at the end of the game was that, to me that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. a that they're trying to make plays. You know what I mean? Like there's a minute left. What are you supposed yep. to do? I don't really give a shit about that. Um, they had all those batted balls down. Like to me, it was the turnover. But this game in the first half, I, I tweeted it out. I said the Owls lead by eight, and they scored eight points off two Ticats turnovers. It's simple math, and that's what it ended up being. Now the margin of victory ended up being a lot larger than that. That Alouette's defense stiffened a little bit. The Ticats offense couldn't get it going. But at the end of the day, it was Hamilton made the mistake, and we said this at the pregame show too. It's like the team that makes the fewest mistakes. If they win the turnover battle, they're going to win this game. And the team that won the turnover battle won the game. It's not surprising. Like, this is how football is played. It's one on the margins. It's one – it's a handful of plays because teams are, especially at the professional level, all pretty much equal. So it's a handful of plays that go one way or the other to dictate the game. Those plays went in Montreal's favor. They earned the right for those plays to go in their favor. And that's why they're moving on to Toronto next week. And the Ticats are once again packing their bags. And the, the postseason ends quicker than we all thought it would back in May. So the rushing attack wasn't – well, it's pretty good tonight. James Butler at 83 yards along the ground, uh, uh, average of 6.4 yards. Um, Which is better than I thought 30. he would be. Remember yep, we yes. said, again, to tag, tag him back into the pregame show, I thought I thought Butler would have, like, he'd have an efficient night, but I thought it would be a grinded out thing. He ended up playing even better than I anticipated. I thought he was going to be the best player on offense, any offense, but I thought it was going to be, like, I thought it was going to be, like, 104 yards on 27 carries type of night. You know what I mean? But he busted mm-hmm. off some big runs. He played really well. Yeah, one of the only bright spots on offense tonight. Uh, you know, Matthew Schultz had 34 yards rushing. There was a lot of players who got in on the rushing game, but I want to jump to the receiving game. And it's, uh, you know, Omar Bayless led the team, and he only had 37 yards receiving. That tells a lot, does it not? Yep, it absolutely does. It's You look at it, it's four guys in the 30s, which is, oh, that's great. But I just keep looking down at the bottom there. Three Same targets, way. zero reception, zero yards in a playoff game. Just inexcusable inexcusable man like yeah. i don't know he was, invis- he was invisible tonight i don't know whose fault it was there they couldn't get him open or he wasn't getting open himself or they weren't scheming towards him or he was getting double teamed or or what it was but for your leading receiver the leading receiver in the league yardage wise to have zero catches in a playoff game is yeah. pathetic it is absolutely pathetic it's it's it can, it cannot happen and the fact that it did happen I mean, we talked about Matthew Schultz cost himself a lot of money. I mean, it's entirely possible that Scott Milanovic just coached himself out of a head coaching job again. Now, I don't necessarily think that's the case. But if you're a team looking to, you know, if it's your debate between two guys, you look at this and go, man, he couldn't cook up an offensive game plan to get arguably his most important and best offensive weapon, the ball, in a critical game. What's he going to do if he's in charge of everything? Like, it's – there's there's questions now about whether or not he's gonna he was the front runner from what everything I've been told he was the front runner in Saskatchewan I do wonder if that's changed now. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of questions in the offseason now. You know, with uh, 
the Saskatchewan coaching situation and Hamilton's going to have to take, you know, they're going to have to reevaluate everything, everything from the head coach on down. So uh, especially after this poor performance in a playoff game, let's talk about the defense a little bit. Um, like you said earlier, I, I agree with it. I think they played pretty darn good. They kept the yep. cats in the game for as long as they could. But, uh, you know, when your offense doesn't contribute anything, it's pretty tough to win a game. Yeah, Jameer Thurman, who was one of my X-Factors on defense going into the game, thought he – six tackles, he had a sack, he has a pass knockdown. I thought he was great. Katzentonis continued to show what he does. Uh, Richard Leonard has the big interception that saved this game from becoming a blowout much earlier than it could have been. Um, the challenge on that, by the way, was just – if that would have been called pass interference, I think I would have been done watching the game. I, yeah. I say that in jest, but you know what I mean? Like if that's yeah. pass interference then every single contested catch in the history of football is pass interference. So I was glad that didn't happen. Ja'Garrett Davis, man, we talked about it earlier today about Ja'Garrett Davis making a play down the field as a defender. And then he has yep, one in this game. Did. It's like, Oh, well that reminds you that he gets his first sack of the season. He, I thought he was excellent. I thought Simone was in, I don't think he made as many plays as he did, but I thought he was really good. I'm sure we're going to get into the Chris Edwards of it all in a bit. Maybe we'll save that till later. But I thought the defense was was very good today. Uh, there were a few plays here or there that I think they I wish they wish they could have had back. I thought Mark Washington called a fairly good game for the most part. They hemmed yeah. in the rushing attack. Cody Fajardo's night, fifteen to twenty three for two twelve, two touchdowns and a pick. Not outstanding statistics. The Owls had one receiver over 50 yards in this game. So the Ticats did a good job in pass defense with three rookies back there. I didn't hear Dexter Lawson's name called once today. So it was a good defensive performance. It, it was a defensive performance that is usually good enough. If you have even average offense, that what we saw from the defense tonight will win you a football game. Yeah, I totally agree. The defense played well tonight. Uh, you cannot put this loss on them by any means. Uh, let's just move on to the special teams. Not much to really talk about. I mean, Mark Leggio was four for four, perfect. Uh, once yep. again, he he uh, he did his job. I know we were talking about it in the pregame show that we, you know when it comes down to it, Leggio, you get a little bit nervous. But once again, four for four, thumbs up to him. Uh, great job showing us showing us up. Uh, Vedvik, I thought played well as played good as well with an average of fifty one point four yards per punt. And then, uh, you know, not a very notable night from Tyreek McAllister. No, and the Owls actually did really well in returns themselves, and I thought that would be a, mm -hmm. an area where the Ticats could could get some stuff going. I don't even think Flowers Lloyd had a tackle in this game. I'm looking at the stats. He did not. So he was kind of a non-factor, and I thought he he could potentially be someone that, that turned the game in Hamilton's favor. Uh, are you are you ready to say they should bring Mark Leggio back? Because I think I am. I, I they they showed his numbers in the game in the game today. He was forty one of forty seven on the year. So counting the four he made today, forty five of fifty one on the season. That's almost a ninety percent complete. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm still going to have my questions about if if it comes down to crunch time if he's going to hit the big kick. But I thought he played himself into a job this year. He's a local guy. He went to Western, so I know he's probably going to want to stay in the area. I was pleasantly surprised with him. I thought he was even better than uh, David Cote, who I then saw his numbers and I realized he was 75% on the year in field goals. And I was like, why before this game did I think he was the better kicker between the two? And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not, again, we're kind of, we're trying, I think, to grasp at some positives here, but uh, 
not not a ton to take from it. But Mark Leggio, I thought I thought played well enough to play himself and do the job next year as his team's kicker. What about you? Yeah, I agree. You know, at one time we brought in a kicker by the name of Haralahu, and we yep. uh, were worried about him, and he turned out to be pretty good. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think we bring back Leggio. He was a he showed his worth this this season, and he didn't he didn't falter very much at all. So yeah, I think uh, Leggio should be brought back. Do you want to get into the Twitter questions? Yeah, Comments? we might as well. We Madness. Might as well. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. I mean, what? I don't. What else is there more for us to say about this game? Yeah, to be honest much. with you, like, not much. Normally, these things are going to run, you know, forty-five minutes to an hour. I don't think we're going to. We might not do, you know, thirty minutes tonight just because of of how abhorrent this game was. So yeah, let's let's see what the fans have to say, and then maybe that'll get us get some conversations. I know there's going to be some people that say fire the entire coaching staff, and I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to to get into that because I have some thoughts on that from PKA 87. Ha ha ha. I saw this writing on the wall in the off season, kept bad coaches and bonehead player signings while letting key players go. But Hey, get excited for next year. I'm sure they will run out and sign another expensive player to generate hype again. And you will all eat it up. Okay. So who's, who what was the boneheaded player signings they made? Like, is it Bo? Is it like, Okay. But who did they like? Like they let go Dane Evans. He didn't do like. I, I love those types of comments because they're so general that they can say, "Oh, they." Well, what was Jameer Thurman played his ass off today? James Butler played his ass off today. Casey Sales was an all star. Probably will be a league all star. Played his ass off today. Yeah, this team failed and didn't do exactly what they should have. But what was the boneheaded signing? If it's Mitchell, okay, I'm fine. But he's not the reason they lost today. He's not the reason he didn't be barely played this year. He's not the reason they lost most of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm just very curious when it, it's easy to make those nitpicks when it comes to, to stuff like that now. Like, but I, I w- would have loved to have seen his comments prior to the uh, prior to the season where he was sitting on, on these moves. And as far as the coaches go, I mean, they made the coaching moves that everyone wanted them to make. And what happened? They end up in the exact same spot they were last year. So, I mean, I said yeah. when they made they the move, they got rid of Tommy. They, they got rid of Tommy. That's the move everyone wanted. Get rid of Condell. Get rid of Condell. And, well, let's fast forward to the end of the season where we're at now. And, oh, they lose in blowout fashion in the East semifinal in Montreal to an Alouettes team that was better than them. So maybe, just maybe, when I said, oh, it would look good early and then it would taper off, it took a while, but it finally tapered off at the end here. Maybe it is It is some of the players they have here. Maybe they don't have a, a good number two receiver. But – I, I'm just curious as to what the what player signings and coaches they like. Are you blaming this on Mark Washington because the defense was excellent? Are you blaming this on Orlando Steinhauer? Like, did he make any boneheaded like the quarterback decision? You can say, but does that would that have mattered today? I don't know. From sports addict, Milanovic was brutal today. How do you not scheme plays to get your number one wide receiver the ball? Also, team needs to part ways with the defensive staff. Just not good enough for him standards the past few years. Okay, if we're talking about this game specifically, how can you how can you say anything about the defense? And you've been you've been the biggest critic of this defense for years now. Yeah, you can't. This is not on the defense that they lost this game. No. It wasn't on the now, defense tonight. No. no, maybe it's on the defense that they're playing this game in Montreal. But this team defensively was really good down the stretch. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't make a change of coordinator. I'm not saying there need, there shouldn't be a change in philosophy. But I'm just – after this game, I'm not sitting here and talking about what the defense did wrong because they did everything they could to win this football game. 
Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. The defense is not the reason they lost tonight. But if we can get if we can get out, you know, swing at the fences in the offseason and get a guy that is um an upgrade over Mark Washington, then I would not argue with them pursuing that. But you know, that's for them to decide in the offseason. And uh we don't know if there's anyone else out there that's gonna be a better mind than Mark Washington, but uh it hasn't been great over the last couple of years, so uh, but tonight was not the reason why they lost the game, that's for sure. From Brad Nolan, I've lost my faith in Coach O. I've defended him. This was egregious. How do you wait until 625 left in the game to play Bo? He doesn't even have a chance to get in rhythm. They're playing, they're paying him half a million. Yeah, now that's a that's a valid criticism. They said both quarterbacks were gonna play, and both quarter I guess that he wasn't a liar because both quarterbacks played, but I don't know, man. I to, to me the the decisions, and, and I'm trying to formulate this on the fly here because I think I'm going to try to write a piece on it in the coming weeks. The decisions this team has made at quarterback during Steinhauer's tenure are very confusing. Like they they've wanted to go with this two quarterback system since basically since Dane established himself as a viable player in 2019 when Mazzoli went out. Because let's not let's not like everyone always talks about. Oh, they did Steinhauer's always done this. If Mazzoli doesn't get hurt in 2019, there's no Dane Evans conversation. Like, Mazzoli was playing out of his mind. The team was winning. You know what I mean? Like, he was probably on his way to winning MOP that year. So there, there's no there's no quarterback controversy in Hamilton if Mazzoli doesn't get hurt. But then he gets hurt. Evans comes in, plays great. 2021, injuries again. Mazzoli started the season as the starting quarterback, and injuries forced Evans into lineup. It wasn't until the East Final where they made the change for, for play purposes then they make the decision with Evans. They barely even give him a season. Like the quarterbacking, I don't know. I don't know if you can say that they've screwed it up at every step, but it's definitely been the biggest, to me, the biggest kind of question of this staff, of this front office is just what the hell they're doing at quarterback. Do they ever, are they going to try to find a guy and do it? Or is this just going to be, let's just kind of slap a bandaid on it and, and go like, at some point, something's got to give, right? Like they, they keep bringing in, and this is, I mean, it's Ty Cat's way to bring in cast offs from other teams and, and veterans that sometimes are over the hill, sometimes they're not. It's what they've done for the better majority of my entire fandom of this team. What do you do? Like, what do you do at the quarterback position? Again, I don't want to get too much into yeah. the offseason stuff right now, but like, this is a question we're going to be asking until there's some sort of clarity on it. And it's, it's the one pockmark, in my opinion. There's, there's a few more, but this is the biggest one, that they've just kind of bungled this. Since Mazzoli tore his knee in 2019, this has just kind of been a, a boondoggle when it comes to what they do at quarterback. Yeah, they just haven't handled it well. I mean, this year they they mess up in putting in Bo and he gets injured with, you know, he gets in that terrible call near the end of the game, um, halfway through the season. He, you know, they bring him in. He doesn't turn out well. Uh, they think Schultz is the guy. He plays terribly. Uh, you know, you got Taylor Powell. Have you offended Bull Levi Mitchell? Does he not want to play for this team anymore now? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of questions in the offseasons about a lot of things with the Tiger Cats, but you're right. The the quarterback position is a big one. It is a very big one. Uh, a couple of comments just saying Coach O has to go fire Coach O. Uh, we don't need to touch on that. I think Coach O needs to take a step back and just be the GM. Let's have someone else run the team on the field. No, you see, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I flipped. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Condell okay. needs Condell needs to go. <laughs> That's what Condell it says. needs to go. That's what it says. Yeah, uh, 
Our, our secondary needs help. We need some help on O-line, and we need one confirmed QB. That was a tough year, and it ended tough. I don't know if he means Scott Balanovich, but it does say Condell needs to go. I mean, maybe maybe it's just it's so uh... – I mean, that, that's just been the default for people for the better sure. part of two years now. So maybe it's just like, I don't know. Automatic. Um, I actually think it's the opposite. I think if Steinhauer gives up one job, it shouldn't be head coach. It should be the front office thing. Yeah. He was just the head coach in 2019, and this team was awesome. And he was a great coach that year. He didn't forget how to coach overnight. He took on all of that extra responsibility. Now, I don't think he had it all in 2021. I think it came following the 2021 season when – because Berkey was still was it was still Berkey and Alamang as the co-GMs in 2021. So it wasn't until the 2022 offseason when he took on that extra role when Berkey went to Ottawa. And he took that on as as many people surmise as an incentive with a pay raise to keep him from taking the University of Washington defensive coordinator position. So to me, if if they're doing anything with Steinauer, it's let's find a real GM, let's find a real president, let's take these things off your plate. You go be the coach because when you were just the coach, this team went 15 and three and eight and six and made the great cup both years. When he's taken on more, they've gone eight and 10 both years. And so to me, it's not his, his coaching is not the issue. He's shown that he's a good coach. It's the other stuff that I think is a little bit too much for him. And maybe that's why they have, you know, 17 co-executive <laughs> vice president, general managers of pick a guy, whether it's Ed Hervey or someone outside the building, go get Kyle Walters. I've been saying this since, this yeah. is, I don't think it's going to happen, but Kyle Walters is probably leaving Winnipeg. Why not bring him in, make him in charge of the team, keep Steinhauer there. And they, they play together. So I'm sure they have a good relationship. They both played for the Tiger Cats. They won a great cup with the Tiger Cats together. Put those guys on the, on the, that, that brain trust there with Walters calling the shots from, worked in, Winni- in Winnipeg with Walters and O'Shea. I don't know if Steinhauer is as good a coach as O'Shea is, but he's not a bad one. Put those two together. I think you turn this thing around really quickly. Yeah, I don't know if the co-GM thing, having three assistant general managers is a problem with this team, but it obviously isn't helping, right? Like these are the results of having three minds at co-GM. I I would like them just to hire someone's a GM and have a, an assistant GM like everybody else, but you have to have a guy that is making those calls and you can, you know, pat, you know, put the blame on uh, is a, a bad way of putting it, but I just think there needs there, to be there, a guy no, in there, charge. There, there's, yeah, there's one voice. There's one yes. person that – and Steinhauer takes the heat now anyway. But to me, having all of these – it's great to have a, a bunch of different viewpoints, but it can become paralysis by analysis. And it can become this guy thinks this, this guy thinks that, this person thinks this, this person – and you can kind of talk yourself like it's it can, it can just cripple you in a sense that you have so many different viewpoints, you don't know what to do. If you have one person – calling the shots, it, it trickles down from there. I mean, we see it, you see it in business all the time. How many great businesses have two people, how many, how many stores you work in the grocery industry? I worked in the grocery industry. How many, how many stores would be great if they had two managers? You know what I mean? Like you have mm-hmm. a manager and an assistant manager, and then you have supervisors, yada, yada, yada. I don't think a place could function if they have two people who maybe have different viewpoints on things, maybe have different ideas on how you should build something. You need one voice, you need one person, and you need a hierarchy. I think the Ticats, and they did it with Ken Austin too, kind of got out of whack with the hierarchy. They had, yeah, the, the coach was the president, but then there was a GM, and then there was the coach. And it's just, I just think it can lead to some messed up stuff. So maybe this offseason, the biggest change can be they go and find that guy. Maybe it's Kyle Walters. 
you, you put them in charge. You say, do what you do, what you have to do to get this thing turned around and we'll go from there. Uh, from Bill in Burlington, a disappointing season whose goal was the gray cup coaching change is needed. Cats need a total overhaul of O-line, D-line receivers and special teams build around both secure a good kicker punter, no veteran discounts. <laughs> So basically mm. change everything. That's Ch- what that sounded like. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I, I saw just get rid of everybody. And like, that's not simply not realistic. That That's but, not going to happen. But a lot of these players will return. They simply will. They will address some things, I'm sure. They won't address others. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, in, in the aftermath of a disappointing end of the season, I can understand the, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater stuff. But let's – we also have to be realistic and understanding what's going to happen. Now, there's a number of guys that are going to be free agents. Tim White's going to be a free agent. You have to wonder, I mean, he had a hell of a season, but disappears in the most critical times. Do you bring him back at a time? We'll get into the questions about the offseason in a few weeks, I think, before we kind of put a bow on everything today. But uh, I don't know. There's definitely some soul searching I think needs to be done as we, uh, we head into the, uh, the long, cold winter of, once again, no championship here for the Ticats. From Matthew Pronist, tear it down and rebuild on a strong foundation. A flashy signing, a trade, or a coaching change won't be enough. It's too late for patchwork solutions. Okay, yeah, but at the same time, look at the league. There were three, like, the Alouettes are a decent team, but there were three good teams in the CFL this year. Um, the Argos have built something that is special, but that, how many times do we see, I mean, we saw it with the Ticats, they were on top of the world in 2019 and then they are where they are now. Things can change rather quickly in this league. I don't necessarily think it's a, uh, again, I don't think you have to tear this thing down to the studs. There's, there's workable pieces here. They, they played a bunch of rookies this year that maybe that pays dividends next season. Kenneth George Jr. Looks like he can be a player. Will Sunderland, like that secondary today, they held that Alouette's passing offense in check. Cody Fajardo had just over 200 yards passing. That's pretty darn good. Austin Mack was a pretty much a non-factor outside of the touchdown. And speaking of him, like the whole, he got knocked out and, and comes back on the, like that to me just shows the lack of any sort of give a shit when it comes to player safety, right? Like, I mean, he wasn't knocked out, but he, they said on the broadcast that he was wobbly coming off the field and he goes into the back for concussion protocol and is available to come. Like there's something not quite right with that in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That seemed a little, a little shady. Um, yeah, Austin Mack looked like he was, you know, not maybe not knocked out, but definitely something was going on there. Uh, from the Jake Botel Sports Experience, got up at six a.m. to watch this one in Australia. Could have slept in and just watched the replay from last year. Field goal unit. <laughs> I, field goal I unit gets an A. That. <laughs> I would have, I would have advised it. That's, yeah. you know what though, that is, uh, that's some dedication. So thank yeah. you for listening all the way from Australia yeah. and tapping in, but uh, yeah, you probably should have just uh, slept this one in and <laughs> watched last year's game. Cause it was a carbon copy. Uh, just a couple comments about fire. Everyone and coach needs to step aside. Give the rain some more venom. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Dave from David Tucker. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Uh-huh. You, you kind of just glossed over something there. Did you mumble, give the reins to Milanovic? Yes, uh, from after BC this, Ticat fan. After yep. this performance, you want to hand the reins to Scott Milanovic? I know he's a good coach, but again, I'm trying to focus on this game specifically. After this, this is the one where you're like, make him head coach? Mm, that's, that's whack to me. That's a little wacky mm-hmm. to me. From David Tucker, in regards to coaching, perhaps it's, perhaps it's not clean house, 
but let's set people to define roles. Yes. Coach o, can, Coach o can be coach, have one GM, don't have 11 assistants. Yep. Nope. I agree with that wholeheartedly, 100%. Yeah. I'm with you on that one too, David. From Rob Hayes. I'm so tired of this. Need a complete re rebuild and it starts at the top. Coach O is not a good coach. Had one good year and got out coached in the in Grey Cups. Did I would say he's not a good I, I'm not sure he's not a good coach. I know I said that earlier in the season too, but um listen, I understand get, the uh negativity completely though. No, but did he get out coached in the Grey Cup or did the players get outplayed? You know what like we I think we put way too much emphasis on coaching when and the players will tell you this themselves it's like they go out there and have to play the game and if they don't play well it's on them it's like coaches can put them in the scenario but i mean it wasn't steinauer's fault that matthew schultz had six passes batted down it's not his fault that you, you know what i mean like he threw two interceptions like at the end of the day you have to look at the players i think more than you have to look at the coaches and i mean they lost one – this team in, in my lifetime has gone into the Grey Cup favorites probably once, and that was the – the only Grey Cup this team has lost that I was truly disappointed in was 2019 because that was the team – that's the team that should have won. But the following year, the Bombers were great, and yes, it was in Hamilton, and they had the crowd behind them and all that stuff, but Winnipeg rightly should have won that championship. The one they played against Saskatchewan, like the Riders were a better team. The one they lost to Calgary – the Stamps were a better team. Like this team in a lot of ways over the, over this span of, of competitiveness has overachieved. They've also disappointed because it's nine and nine, it's eight and 10, it's 10 and eight. It's, you, you know, your constant lament of it's a 500 team, but 500 teams that then raise like, to me, it's just, yeah, it 20, almost 25 years of no championships is frustrating. Don't get me wrong. But this team in a lot of ways has, has done better than they should have. That's not the case tonight. Tonight they were worse than they should have been. Tonight, it, I mean, the Red Blacks might have put up a better performance against the, the Alouettes than we saw today. But I just think that this – I don't know if it's, if it's every year fans think that their team should win and it's a CFL and there's nine teams and, or maybe it's just the drought that's getting to everyone and that's understandable as well. I just, I don't, I, when I hear he's, he was been out coached in big games. I, I just don't, I, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I guess that's a long way of saying it. I just don't, I just don't agree with that sentiment. From Corey Allen, fire Condell, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from uh, J Jeremy 0087. Even oh, if this the cats, it's always good. It's always good when there's numbers after a name. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Even if the cats won this game, I mean, somehow won this game. Did they really stand a chance against the Argos? We were lucky to hold the playoff spot. This season has been a complete fraud after the off season they had. I don't think they were lucky. They they won the games they had to win to make the playoffs. Like, I mean, they weren't the worst team to make the playoffs this year. That's Calgary. They didn't back into the play. It's not like they lost their way into the playoffs. They earned it by getting wins and beating the teams they had to beat to get here. They just weren't. We have to take this. Uh, we have to look at what this team was this year. And they were a good, nowhere near great team that couldn't beat the teams that were better than them. Montreal and Toronto had better records in Hamilton this year. And they went 0-8 against those teams. That happens. But they did beat the Lions. They did beat the Bombers. Like, sometimes this team played above its tees. And sometimes it played, like, exactly what it was. I... Had they played Toronto next week, maybe they lose by 50. We'll never know because we're not getting that matchup. But 
I don't necessarily, I don't think any team for the most part, you can say like the stands back their way into the playoffs. Like, because all the riders have to do is win one more game. They, the, if the riders win one game from Labor Day to the end of the season, the Stampeders are not making the playoffs. That's backing your way into the playoffs. The Ticats won enough games. Like they, they won the games they had to to make. I just, I don't, I don't know. You make the playoffs and you have a chance. We've seen it time and time again. Speaking of the Calgary Stampeders, they're up seven nothing early on the BC Lions. They just marched down the field and scored a touchdown, and they're marching. Get again. out of here! All right, well, yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, everyone uh, thought there would be an upset this week. Maybe it's Calgary upset. Maybe it's upset in BC. Maybe. I mean, here's because uh, here's the thing: what would what would the response be if we were a Lions podcast and lost that game? Like it's one thing oof. to be the three seed and go into the two seed and get your ass kicked. Yeah, losing at home to a team and that, that and you won twelve games, like you're six games better than them in the standings, and you lose in the playoffs. That would be you want to talk about house cleaning. Like, oof. yeah, sure, the Ticats didn't play well, but if the Lions lose this, you're looking at okay, can Vernon Adams like Vernon Adams has never won a playoff game? Like, are are you question like? Uh, I, I don't think that'll end up coming to fruition. I think the the Lions will end up getting that right and pulling away, but uh, interesting start there, I guess. From friend of the show, Adam Stalker, firing coach O would be a big mistake. He's a good coach with bad QBs. This team's failure comes down to their inability to evaluate quarterbacks. Evans wasn't the problem. Schultz plus O were awful. Scott Mitchell's play calling wasn't good. Went away from run too soon in the first half. Mark Washington continues to be clueless. He was apparently the only one who didn't know Montreal was going to take an end zone shot after interception. The roster construction doomed us. Couldn't get pressure with four secondary struggle. George and Castantonis were poor. Um, I don't know necessarily if the scheme on the touchdown, the Austin Mac touchdown was an issue. I think that there might've been a miscommunication because it looked like Richard Leonard got beat. Richard Leonard just simply doesn't get beat. But it is nice to uh, to hear someone who we know is a fairly astute viewer of the game that he uh, kind of agrees with us that it's not necessarily a, a coaching issue with the with the big dog in Steinhauer here. So I, I don't necessarily. Sometimes I go back and watch these things. I I don't know if I'm going to do that with this one, but I'll be if I do, I'll be definitely interested to watch with the eye that Adam did today, thinking that there was some uh, some poor play and some guys that I thought were actually fairly decent today. From uh, Thomas Matthews, I'm not much of a doom and gloomer, but I feel the core of this team is past their best before date, and we'd be best served with a long-term rebuild plan. Well, there's no long-term rebuild in the CFL. If you're long-term rebuilding in the CFL, you're screwed. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, because there's no rebuilding through the draft. Like, like you can get no important pieces through the draft, but this isn't the you know, uh, major four leagues where you can get like a superstar in the first round and, and get yeah. some really good pieces in the second and, and all that stuff. So yeah, you're right. I don't necessarily disagree though, that perhaps there are some veterans on this team that have been around here for a while that maybe we just watch them play their final game in a tight catch uniform. Uh, I'm going to have more of this in my post game piece. Cause there are some guys that you do have to think might be, might be best put out to pasture. Um, maybe some names that you would be surprised to read. Maybe some names that you won't. I'm going to use that as a tease here. But I do think – I think this team loaded up these three years, especially coming off the 2019 season where they were so good. I think this was a three-year window with a lot of these yep. veterans, and I think a lot of these guys got brought back. I think Bo got brought in for the express purpose of 
we have this small window here with this group to win a championship. We want to take advantage of it. We want to do it in Hamilton. Well, Hamilton's not going to get a great cup. Now, like some of the veterans on this team, your Simone Lawrence's, your Ted Laurent's, your long-term guys like that, they're not going to be here the next time Hamilton hosts a great cup. Like they're going to be well into their mid forties and gone from the game. So you do have to wonder if there are some guys, I, again, I don't think you do a hold. There's no tanking in the CFL. There's no rebuild. Like what's going on in Ottawa is it's a, it's, it's just a nightmare, quite frankly, like to take, to go from where they were in 2018, having made their third of third great cup in four years to now winning what, like a dozen games over the last four seasons. Like that's, that shouldn't happen. We saw that with the Ticats, and it's, it's the one thing that always – it's why I look at these years, even though there's no championship fondly, because it's like, well, I know what it's like to be really bad. I know yeah, what it's like yeah. to be 3-15 and 15 year in, year out, and Labor Day rolls around, and it's like, I'm so glad the NFL season's here so I don't have to watch this anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I remember what that's like. I'll take this every day of the week. Bad, good, whatever. They've been in the mix now for basically 15 years, this team – they're the, they're the second outside of winning a championship. They're the second most successful franchise in the CFL. The only team that's made the playoffs more than them in these last fifteen years is Calgary. So, yeah, it, it's not how you want it to end. It's none of that is is positive. But at the end of the day, I'll take this over what we what we saw, what Ottawa's going through. I just, I don't think that a good team with good coaching and good a good general manager or a good front office shouldn't need to completely tear things down to the studs and rebuild um, unless it was like Winnipeg where they just had, they had no Canadian talent. They've been mismanaged mm-hmm. for years. That's different. I don't think this team has been mismanaged for years. I think they've taken some calculated risks that haven't paid off. I think that they've made some decisions that didn't work out in the long run, but at the end of the day, I still, this team is still a playoff team every year. They've made the playoffs every single year. Orlando Steinhauer has coached this team. I will take that because at least there you go, okay, maybe change this, maybe change that. And one year you catch lightning in a bottle. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to win a championship every year. Ticat fans know that obviously, but they're in the mix. And yeah, it was a long shot they were going to win this year. It was a long shot they were going to win last year. But you're in the mix. And being in the mix means you don't have to just rip everything down and start from scratch. It means that you can look if, – if, and this is, this is another area. I think Adam brought it up on his, his thing. Their ability to self-scout, I think, has been a little questionable because I do think that they've kept guys longer or believed in guys longer than they should have. This is a this is a pretty big offseason because now it's like, do you go young at some spots? Do you let some veterans go? It'll be interesting to see what they do in the winter. But the idea that you just rip this thing down to shreds, start from scratch with a whole new everything, and, and just be bad for a couple of years, to me, that's not what you need to do in the CFL. That's not a CFL rebuilding plan. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think there's going to be some tough decisions with some veteran players because like you and said, coaches. yeah, and coaches, this was, I think this was a three-year plan, you know, having the great cup at home again, they went for it all. It hasn't worked out. So it, it might be time to, you know, let go of some guys that might be a tough decision, might be some long-term fan favorite type of guys, um, not naming any names, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, uh, there's going to be lots of evaluating in this offseason. There's no question it, about it. It's going to give us a lot to talk about. It's going to give yep. me a lot to write about. We know that there's more than likely going to be a new man calling the plays on offense. Could there be a general manager? Could we see a new defensive play caller? Like there, there's a lot of – a team that goes 8-10 and 10 and bows out in the first round of the playoffs back-to-back years, there should be questions asked of this team. There should be changes made. 
I don't think they're going to be the wholesale get rid of everyone changes that some fans are asking for. But I do think that I, I think the pulling the pin on Tommy Condell, which we know I know for a fact was a difficult thing for the team to do. I think that tells you that they're willing to make the the tough decisions. We'll see what happens this offseason, starts at the quarterback position, what they do there. And then we'll go from there. There'll be it, it, it will we will not lack for stories to talk about in December and January and before the start of free agency in February. So buckle in, Ty Cats fans. We got we got a probably a little bit of a bumpy ride here, but it, it won't be uninteresting. That's for sure. One thing we know for sure is Ted Laurent will never not play for the Ticats. He will be playing <laughs> until he's like 85. But that guy, yeah. you think he's gone every year and he comes back. Uh, let's keep it rolling here. We got from Jared Breyer. Some same problems as all year, same problems as all year. QB confusion, porous O-line, defense that folds in the fourth, big changes needed to help happen for next year because what they're doing isn't working and our few superstars are being squandered. I don't think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. We got a couple more here, Josh. We got a couple more. Okay, okay. Um, from Jim Martin, TSN has to find a way to filter out the effing horns. Everyone and their brother has noise canceling headphones now. It's not that hard. I don't know how they could do that because um, there's a lot of horns there. But that's you know whatever. That's it, it is what it is. There's always going to be horns at Montreal Alouettes football games. Um, yes. From J- Jim Martin again, a repeat of our games against the Owls in the summer. Field goals instead of touchdowns until we can't keep up. There have to be changes in the offseason. Can't see Bo coming back. And Edwards should maybe be blacklisted after that nonsense. Yeah, we never touched on that. That was a bunch of bullshit, eh? That was, I mean, I tweeted out, Chris Edwards being a knucklehead in an embarrassing playoff loss. Never could have seen that coming. That should be his last play as a Hamilton Tiger fan. Um, He was fine this year, but... That's twice now against Montreal. He can't control his emotions. If another team wants to pick up that him, that's fine. Good players who are head cases, and that's exactly what Edwards is, are only worth it when they're playing all-star MVP level football. He is not that. He got absolutely decleated on a juke by William Stanback in this game in the open field that mm-hmm. if he would have made the tackle would have stopped an Alouette's drive and would have forced a punt. Uh, he's, yeah, he's not worth the, uh, he's not worth the headaches that he brings to this team. And he, he was on his behavior for most of the season, but he's not that, he's not the playmaker he was a few years ago. He was fine this year, but, uh, yeah, if, if he's donning a tie catch uniform next year, I'll be extremely surprised. I don't think he's worth it. No, neither do I. And it's just like, it just shows a lack of respect and a lack of professionalism to throw a fit like that at the very end of the game throw a guy down and then he threw a punch, I believe. So it's just ugly yeah. stuff. And I hope he's not on the team next year as well. All right. Our last and, one comes from, okay, go ahead, bud. No. And I mean, I'm sure we all saw the, uh, the tirade by Jason, the uh, completely understandable tirade by mm-hmm. Jason Moss on the sidelines where he's like, they're going home and we're moving on. None of our guys better get effing suspended for this. And I, in a way, I agree with him. In another way, the guy shouldn't come off the bench. Like, your, especially your guys do have something to play for next week. They need to be smart. Let the Ticats be a bunch of goons and goofs and idiots. Let Chris Edwards go out there and punch whoever he wants and, and just laugh in his face and do what I used to do when I, when I played sports and someone would try to get under your, 
your skin and, and you're kicking their ass. You just, you just tell them scoreboard, look at the scoreboard, mm-hmm. buddy. Like you're going home. Like, so I, while I understand Moss's anger, uh, he's gotta be, he's gotta keep his guys in line. Like if, if guys who, who went out on the field, I think it was Jesser and Antwi, and I think he hit a referee. If those guys don't play next week, that's on them. But at the same time, just, uh, I mean, it, it was an ugly way for the game to end, but it was an ugly game all around. So it was kind of, kind of fitting, but like I said, I hope that that's the last time that we see Chris Edwards, uh, playing, playing in the, uh, in a Hamilton Tiger Cats uniform. Uh, it's seven seven now in the West semifinal. The BC Lions came back there, uh, answered back quickly. Uh, for our last one here from Ari Cates. Also, there is too much secrecy in the management of this team. We still don't You're know what happened. Me. <laughs> we still don't know what happened with the four guys on the suspended list and with Duke Williams. Then the decision with Mitchell today. You spent how much money on this guy, and you leave him standing on the sidelines? Yeah, tell tell tell. <laughs> Try doing my job when you can't get a straight answer from anyone. Um, yeah, the secrecy thing, that's coaches, though. I know other teams yeah. are a little more open, but that that's coaches. Coaches are going to keep everything to themselves as long as yeah, they can. Yeah, it really helped them with the uh, QB situation, keeping oh, it close to the absolutely. best today. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. But the, yeah. but here's the thing. is like every team does this. Yeah, and yeah they do. You, you point it out as like, well, this, this was pointless when they lose. But if they would have won, it's like, well, this is why you do it. Like It's always mm-hmm. post-game thinking when it comes to this stuff. I don't. If you think you're better than another team, you don't give a shit what they know. You you simply don't. If we're better than you, we are going to beat you because we are better. And you see that from teams all the time. It's it's about us, not them. So it's what we do, not what they do. And the Ticats say this all the time. That's the way you're thinking. Then who cares what they know? Who cares what they? You just go play your game. So uh, yeah, it's just again we're we're sitting here early November talking about a loss. It is what it is. So that'll be it for the last edition of We're Live, Pal, this season. Uh, we're going to keep the content rolling. We're going to be releasing podcasts. Um, I think we'll probably do one in the next week or two. We'll be on Patreon. Check us out on Patreon slash Podski Wee Wee. Um, another disappointing season, but uh, there'll be lots to talk about in the offseason. We'll keep the content rolling. For Josh Smith, I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.